My name's Rob and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. Today, I chat with a new friend of mine, Trina Vargas. Trina is an actress, singer, consultant, and host of the Trina Vargas Show. She's attractive, intelligent, and witty, and excited about her current season of life. But what does her future look like? Listen to my new friend, Trina Vargas, and discover for yourself, this is Real Friends. Okay, so I'm here with my friend, Trina Vargas. Trina, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Very well. And thank you so much for doing this. And normally I ask people the first time they do a podcast with me, how long we've been friends and how we've met. But you and I know a mutual friend, Sarah Savota. And yeah. you've been friends with Sarah. Um, since 2019, we met on a contract and I am just so blessed to have her in my life. She is just such a ray of sunshine. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've known Sarah, I guess, for seven or eight years and I've had okay. the pleasure of being both a friend and kind of a mentor to her for the past seven or eight years. So, yes. um, so the way I like to start this show out is, uh, I like to go ahead and find out what people's love languages are, because I think it's, people are interested to find out how you both give and receive love. And for people who are unfamiliar with love languages, Gary Chapman wrote a book that identified the five love languages. And those are physical affection, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. So if you're ready, I'd like to go through each one of those love languages and you can share either how important they are to you or maybe how important they are to you, both in terms of a giving and a receiving type aspect. So yes, I am ready with physical affection. What does physical affection look like to you these days and how's it changed over a period of time? Well, it's funny. I mean, I'm a hugger and it's, I think you can really tell so much about a person the way they hug. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is so apparent. It's crazy to me, but I love warm hugs that just, you know, last forever. I, I love and invite them into my life. It's been really hard to get through this pandemic without hugging. That was really something else. Uh, but oddly enough, it is not my first need. Uh, you know, I know also in like relationships, it's not that I don't, I love holding hands, things like that, but too much is too much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> If you're going to snuggle me to death, that's not going to really jive well with me, but uh, to each their own. Yep. And that is how I feel about physical affection. Gotcha. So if um, who gives the best hugs, if anyone that you know, like if you're my mom and dad, yeah, there, you there you go. Okay. It's tough to go wrong. Yep. Say mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So the second love language is quality time. What does quality time look like to you? Is it uh, dinner and dancing, coffee and conversation, maybe watching a movie or reading a book, playing a board game? Um, or is quality time to you? I would just say this is number one for me. And I think it's those moments, even when you're just unexpectedly needing someone and they're there for you, you know, that they're the, the drop everything moments, but not even, it doesn't need to be that drastic. It, just the carving out time for the people you love. I know that when my life gets too busy, I always have that aha moment when I haven't talked to my friends enough that week, or, you know, I just, it's really apparent to me. And I say, well, it's because I had a million things on my plate and I didn't allow space for anything else. So I just think having that awareness is really important to check in with the people, make sure you've been showing up for people. And, and, uh, that's important because I know what it feels like to have someone who doesn't make time for you and doesn't reciprocate even what you have to them. And that really, that can be a make or break in a friendship. Sure. Um, so in terms of quality time, do you like to meet in person? Is it getting together over the phone? Yep. It, it can be anything because I have so many friends that I've traveled the world with and we're, we don't get to be with each other all the time. So just, yeah, those phone calls or, you know, voice notes, even Sarah and I are, have gotten very good at, you know, just voice notes, just to hear your voice is everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your number one love life. Yes. Okay. Um, how about words of affirmation or encouragement or love? 
How important is it to be affirmed, encouraged, valued, treasured, cherished? And how important is it to hear those three simple words? I love you. This is another one. It's tricky. Mm -hmm. It's kind of tricky because while I want to say it's not important, not of the most important of these to me, I was raised in a family where we do say I love you. And maybe that's why I take I love you so not lightheartedly, but I'm used to it. So I guess if if that if I were then in a relationship where it wasn't said, I would think, huh, okay, we were raised differently or, you know, whatever. But I need uh what's the opposite one? The uh the actions. Mm-hmm. I need the, the actions behind the words. So yeah, that's my number two, but um, um, yeah. So how well are you able to distinguish between friendship love, romantic love, and the much harder, seldom fun, sacrificial, unconditional agape type love? With words? Yes. I don't know if I understand the question. So it sounds like um, your parents, if they told you that they, they love you, that's mm-hmm. they're telling it to you kind of like in a mom and dad type way. Yeah. You had like in a dating relationship where someone told you that they loved you. They'd be telling you that they loved you in a whole different way, or even right. a friendship way, possibly. Right. So how how easy is it to distinguish between? Because I think we use the word love, and it covers a broad spectrum of what love really means. And just in the the American culture, we use one word love a lot, and really it, it has a lot of different layers. So well, I feel like everybody's love looks different too. Like I said, you know the love in my family is not the love in anybody. It's not exact to anybody else's family. So I think that word is so different to everyone. But sometimes when you do hear it, and it's that right magnetic feel that you are looking for, it's helpful, (laughs) for sure. Uh, If it wasn't being said, that's I don't know. No. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but you did say acts of service. Actions are more important to you than words. So how yeah. are acts of service? And what does that look like for a single, independent, professional woman like yourself? How could someone serve you during your current season of life? And what would that look like? Would that be fixing? Being that? direct. I mean, you can say what you mean, but you got to mean what you say. You got to sh- you got to prove that, you know, and um I mean, talk of a relationship in past, but I just think it's actions just speak so much to me. I just learned when I got burned. <laughs> it's um, and do you want to share like any examples from the past? Uh, yeah, I never like to put people down, but uh, you don't have to use names. Yeah, it's just that the constant saying well, I'll do better next time or I'll do better, you know, and it's like, no, but I need to see that that's happening because we keep ending up in the same place. So that's what I mean is you got to commit to what you're saying. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Agreed. Um, So the last love language is gifts. How important are gifts to you? Are you a gift card type of gal or do you like to take time and research and personalize your gifts? And if someone online is going to give you the perfect gift, what would that be? Someone were looking See, right I am not a gift in a box type of girl. It's it's definitely the if you remembered that I love purple Skittles <laughs> and you just gave me a purple Skittle randomly, that would just be the best gift you could give me. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, I heard you in that moment that you didn't think I heard you. And there you go. And that's like a wow to me. But I mean, if you bought me some lavish, you know, brand new bag that I probably wouldn't even know what brand that even was, you know, that's going to be nothing to me. Yeah. So what is the best gift that you've given and received over the past couple of Ooh, Ooh, that's a good question. Like my daughter, for example, it's um, my passions are like photography and running, but it's impossible to really get me a gift in, in those areas because I know exactly what it is that I want. But what my right. did instead this year is she had a collage put together of pictures of me with my grandbaby. And it was the perfect gift, right? It was just the yeah. perfect gift. Yeah. Um, 
I would say one of my most favorite gifts that I've ever been given, my nan, who like just my everything, she's been gone now for a long time, but she always wore uh, her diamond necklace was a heart every day of her life, every single day of her life. And she passed maybe 10 years ago and my mom kept it, you know, and I knew that it existed still, but on my 30th birthday, my mother gave me a heart necklace and i that was the best day of my life oh, cool very very cool best day of my life um you know what i forgot to ask how old are you i am a very young 37 <laughs> <laughs> very good um okay so that's the five love languages and it sounds like quality time and acts of service are the the biggies for you um mm -hmm. which love language do you think you just naturally express or love others with the easiest. Do you think it's the same too? Or do you think it's different? Like, do you No, I would definitely say, I, I would definitely say it's those two that I chose. And I would say I'm a very acts of service person in that that's how I show a lot of my love. I will send cards yeah. to you till the day, you know, I'm no longer here. I just, I really make sure I let my friends know that they're loved and I'm here. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that I feel like I'm in an acts of service season of life too. A lot of stuff that I do service oriented. That's the way I show friends, family, my church, my community that I love them, appreciate them, value them is yeah. to serve them very, very well. So I think that's interesting that you said it like that though, the, the season of life that you're in, because yeah, maybe it does shift a little bit, you know, I've never really thought about that, but yeah, I'm sure it does. Well, that leads into our next question, our next topic. That let's talk about you and who you are right now. During the current season of life, how would you define or describe who Trina Vargas is? And how would you describe your current season of life? Like, right now? Yeah. Do you feel like you're thriving and exactly where you want to be? Oh. But still have much more to accomplish? Or maybe somewhere in between, maybe something else. Maybe it's a season of uncertainty or a season of patience. It's, it's all the things you just said. Uh, it is really funny because I think that I, I can't say I'm not where, in some regards, financially, I am not where I want to be. But I think physically, I'm living with my parents right now because of pandemic. Is it where I thought I would be? No, but is it where I should be? Yeah. And uh I think so deeply that, um, you know, our parents are not here forever. I'm very Amen. lucky to be as close as I am with mine. And I have cherished this time with them and I will always cherish this time with them. And I'm so glad that I could have it. I mean, there's no way I couldn't be. So sure, I could say, you know, 37 and even with my parents, but, you know, I can think of a lot worse things. Well, absolutely. Right. So, um, where did you think you'd be at 37? That was where you from there. The funny thing is, no. Okay. I, and that's weird to me is my whole life. You would have thought, you know, girls, they sit down and they think married and all this stuff. I never as a kid, I mean, I have a cousin. She knew she wanted to, I mean, she was the babysitter of everyone in the neighborhood, all the cousins, everyone. She wanted to be a mom. She on a mission. I did not have that. That just was not my thing. And I don't even think I really had a thing. I just wanted to have fun. <laughs> and just, and that's pretty much what I've done is go after my dreams and, and really take myself where my heart is taking me. Yeah. Um, so let's start at the beginning then. What did you want to be growing up? Tell me about your childhood years as, as a youth, um, grade school, high school, mm -hmm. college. What were those like? Were those I kind of joke because I didn't really have a choice <laughs> what, what I wanted to be doing. My nan, the heart necklace, was a musical prodigy. She played at our uh, church for 50. She was incredible. Just one of those people that could plop themselves down on a piano. I think she was four. She was 10. She was 11 when she started accompanying at church. I mean, she'd whisper a song in her ear and she'd play a whole thing for you, orchestrate it. Um, so I didn't have a choice. She plopped me on top of the piano when I was four and I'd sing for parties and jazz clubs and I didn't know what I was doing, but you know, it worked. And uh, apparently I had a little talent at that age and it was fun. And then my cousin, she was in musical theater 
summer camps and I just saw her in one show and that was it for me. I said, I need that and joined summer theater and majored in uh, musical theater and then moved to LA and wanted nothing to do with musical theater. So I, I wanted to do acting and film. Um, so I've kind of just snowballed and then brought myself back to singing. That is my strongest, biggest passion. Yeah. Um, so in during your adolescent years, then it's were did you go to a school specifically geared for performing? Like, mm-hmm. was it in high school? Uh, was- not in high school. I mean, I was in a, involved in a ton then, but uh, no, but the college was. So, how about high school years? What were those like? Were those fun years? Challenging? So fun. Were they? They were fun, but I, you know, I think I came to a point where, which was really tough for me. I had always loved talk. I was the talker. I got in trouble for talking. I put all of my heart and soul into being on the stage, being in drama club, those things. And when it came down to going to college, everyone, you know, that I knew got into the colleges wanted and I didn't. And that was a really hard aha moment for me of, oh, maybe I should have done that. Maybe I should have put a lot more time into my studying so that I didn't have to feel this way. Like I wasn't enough, you know, that nobody like wanted me, but, uh, I got a scholarship. What's that? Where'd you originally want to go to to college? If you could, I wanted to go to Wagner, which was actually a blessing. I didn't get, get in there, but, uh, nothing against Wagner. Wagner is a great school, (laughs) but I'm glad I didn't get in there. School of fine arts, like a performing school. Okay. It is. And, uh, I just thought that, campus it is it's gorgeous but I got into the heart school I got a scholarship luckily but it was the only school that that accepted me and I did not love my time there Mm -hmm. a lot of us did not but I always say it got me to where I needed and wanted to be um and so why didn't you love your time they made us eat breathe and sleep musical theater I mean I did not have a college experience like you dream of you know we didn't we had parties together but it was all just I mean we we worked seven days of the week uh it was it was grueling by the end of it we had lost half of our class I mean it was it was a lot so is it is that a traditional four-year college or it's what's that was for specifically the heart school of music so it was musical theater yeah Mm. um Okay. And so what sort of challenges do you think that you face during college, um, either school focused, uh, relational, spiritual, emotional, or peer pressure? Ooh, I could spiritually, this is when I lost my godmother slash aunt. And that was the big first death I had had totally mm. unexpected cancer. Uh, and then my grandparents both passed, uh, in the same week. Wow. And they were the closest people in my life. And, uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. I just was angry with God. I was raised Catholic. I went to church through college, but once that all happened, I took a big old 14 break and just decided I was angry at God and then just left it there. Yeah. I completely left it there. God, what did it look like? Oh, lots of tears. Did you stop um, like attending service, stop praying, stop feeling like you could actually talk to God? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know him like I know him today Mm -hmm. at all. I just, I had no idea. I mean, I just was angry at someone that I thought was going to create a lot of happier times at that point in my life. Yeah. So what do you think your image or perception of God was at that season, that stage of your life? Well, especially with my grandmother being, well, all of my family being so religious and happy times. And I mean, we'd have everybody from church over with that kind of not broken, but just gone, changed it. It just, nothing was really the same anymore. I couldn't go to church and listen to the music because my nan had played the organ for the past my whole life. So even hearing, I tried, I I went to church and even hearing an organ, I would saw, I don't like to cry in in front of people. And I would sit in the pew and I'd be like, I gotta go. I am going to just be an absolute mess. And I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah. 
So did you have anybody at that time or that stage of life that you could turn to for support or at least share your feelings, what your emotions were? Are you good at sharing your feelings? I mean, my, yes, but I knew my brothers and my parents and my cousins, we were all going through it in one way or another. And we just kind of needed to get through it kind of a thing. I didn't really talk too much about the faith. I just told them that I couldn't go to church anymore because I would cry and stuff. And they got it. I mean, they, they understood. They, they thought, oh, this is just going to be a temporary thing. But then I moved to LA and I just didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so how big is your family? I have two older brothers and my parents. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and do you have a good relationship with them? Close relationship, Mm -hmm. distant relationship? Yep. We're close. Um, and so the college that you went to, where was that located? Connecticut. Okay. And that's your, my home state is Massachusetts. So it's just about an hour and a half away. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So after college, then you moved to LA mm-hmm. and what was that like? What attracted you to LA? Did you actually have a contract, a job when you were going out there? Or just, you thought no. where you were I, making? No, I had a, uh, colleague of mine who lived out there and we were originally going to be roommates that ended up falling out of place uh two weeks before I was moving out there Mm -hmm. and she had changed her mind so I had a friend from Massachusetts just sell all of his stuff and he moved across (laughs) this country with me and that turned into a, a an awesome awesome adventure but I think it was just my rebellious phase of life. And I wish I had clung to my faith (laughs) a little more. Um, I kind of just, I grew a lot in many aspects, but I think it was an interesting time. Um, And so how many years were you in LA? Three and a half. Three and a half. And so what was that like in terms of careers, uh, opportunities, uh, relationships, Learning experiences, uh, highs, lows, challenges, turning. Yeah, back. I think I am most grateful for the acting uh, studio that I belonged to the whole time I was there. I met every single one of my friends who I still have to this day. We are like family, and I'm so thankful for that. I mean, they gave they gave me opportunities. They opened doors for me. They, you know, I I was very blessed and fortunate to do the things that I did out there. Um, but then one day I just I knew I missed home and I needed to go back. And I mean a six hour flight you think is no big deal until three years later doing it and you're like, this isn't this just isn't working. Um so what's it like if um if you're going to advise somebody who's following their dreams that's going to move either to like east coast or the west coast what sort of advice would you give them based upon your experience being in in la for those three and a half years do it go i am a firm believer in your gut and i always listen to mine it was a very strong go Mm -hmm. so if your gut is telling you that do it i mean if it's the worst decision you've ever made i have a girlfriend right now who's petrified she's always lived in connecticut she's same age And she and her husband and son are moving down to Florida in like 20 days. And she is, she was just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I just said, nothing is permanent. Nothing's permanent. Go down there. If you hate it, come back, (laughs) you know? And I mean, her whole family is here. Like she'd have a couch to come crash on, you know what I mean? Luckily, but I mean, if you can, if you can do it, do it. So who are some of the best relationships or friendships that you made while you were in LA? Oh, all the people that I went to the acting studio with. Okay. Yep. And Hands you're down. Still in close contact with a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yep. We have cheered each other on now for 15 years and it's been wonderful. Did you get any major acting gigs while you were out there? I did. I was on the Chelsea Handler show. I was on general hospital. Um, I was on, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, there was the Chipmunks movie I did. I, it's fun. I mean, I did a ton of background work, a ton of background work when I was out there because I just wanted to know and get to know the business. And and it was it was it was fun. Yeah. But you say after three and a half years, you're kind of getting homesick. It's right mm-hmm. to head back home. And so you move back home. And then what? Happened? I 
I put, I, I said, I want to be a dental hygienist. And my dad says, really, <laughs> you want to clean teeth now? Huh. Just that's what you want to do. And I was like, yeah, no, actually, I want to be a teacher. OK, you want to be a teacher? No, I think I want to be a nurse. So I went through a lot of special moments <laughs> of just fighting this business. And you do you do that in, in the entertainment industry. It's almost like you really didn't choose it. It chose you. And, and so you're trying, no, give me a nine to five, make it easier. I'll take anything that's easier. But when you have such a big passion or talent to do this really hard to then sit down and say, I'm going to go work a nine to five. So I put myself back in school oh, and I took a big loan out and then I had a big loan I had to pay and never used it. Mm. Yep. Um, so did you end up getting a dental hygienist or teaching? No, I got half of a degree to uh, become a, a certified nurse practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so why did that come to an end? I knew I wasn't going to follow through with it. I knew it. And it was, uh, and my parents were like, you're halfway through, just finish. And I was like, no, that's what I did through college. You know, you coached me to get through college and I did it and I re- you know, not that I regret it, but I, I mean, it was hard and I didn't want to do that again. I said, no, I know I'm not going to do it. I will cut the loss, take the pay and just have to pay it off. Yeah. So in hindsight, if you could have chosen to be anything you wanted to be, in, what would that be and why? Um, I don't think I knew this then, uh, just helping people. I, mm-hmm. I have a big passion for the homeless and I've worked with them now for three years. And yeah, that would have been a really nice path to get on. Just just being able to actually make change in that world and facilitate that. So how are you helping the homeless right now? You're involved in ministry and either. So in, just- in Manhattan, uh, which is where I just moved from, I was with my church of the Good Shepherd and they had a homeless outreaching group. And I had knew, known that I wanted to get involved with the church. I just didn't know how. And I saw that in the bulletin and, and that's when God spoke and said, that is, that is it. That is what you should do. And I was so afraid and didn't know what was going to happen. They did outreaching just right on the streets, you know, talking to the homeless, becoming friends. And that was a game changer for me. I was very sad to leave it when I came here. I've joined with my parish here and we have started a homeless outreaching group and we're really thriving with it. It was very special last week. We had our first live meeting together and there were about 25 people there. So it was really encouraging. Yeah. Um, so you've kind of alluded to this several times um, and that's your faith. Let's talk about your faith. Walk. Um, grew up originally as a, uh, Catholic. Did you mm-hmm. attend a Catholic grade school? Never Catholic school. Gotcha. Um, but uh, went to Catholic services when you're growing up. Then when your grandparents and then your aunt passed away, you had a, a falling away from your, your Catholic faith. Um, tell me what the journey was like over, I think you said 14 years, over the, the next 14 years until you eventually got to where now it seems like your, your faith has a much more active role in your life. Tell me about that journey. I think what I've noticed mostly time and again is how much, well, I established a relationship with God, which I never really knew was a thing back then. And I, I just had a lot of friends and Sarah was definitely one of those friends who not purposefully taught me these things, but she just did what she did journaling and, and devotionals and things. And then I, asked her about it on one of our contracts. And then I started doing it and I got a journal and then then I just was starting to learn so much about creating a relationship with God and a friendship. And, um, that changed everything for me when I, I I could go to him as a friend. It wasn't just a, Hey, this is my prayer. Make this happen, you know, or help this person. It was a conversation. It was, uh, just a a different beast. And I, that was a terrible word beast, but it was, (laughs) it's just this new, wonderful thing. And I have noticed though, that the years that I didn't have him, I'd cry more. I was angry, quick to anger. I was stubborn, more stubborn, uh, very set in ways. And now 
it is so much easier to shrug things off, to not let things get you so down, to have the trust, to have the, it's not easy, but building that, that trust and that patience, oh, has changed everything. You know, I, I don't cry as easily, you know, because there's no reason to be upset when you have the, the trust and, and, uh, that's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, so was there a specific moment in terms of when your relationship with Jesus actually became personal, became real, became your own? I can't think of a specific moment, which is funny, just kind of evolved. But so, I just think when he's most present to me, it's it's so, uh, it's so, I can't even put it into words, but it's his presence that really changes everything for me. I don't, I can't explain that. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so for me, for example, uh, um, I had a light bulb moment when the, the church that I was attending, it was one of the classes there talked about this idea of grace, uh, where our salvation has nothing to do with us earning it. And it has everything to do with this free gift that Jesus basically earned for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. And Oh, at that moment, I was like, I want that. And whether it was specifically then or the day afterwards or a week afterwards, I can't tell you exactly when. It's, our pastor does a great job of explaining it. He says it's kind of like the sunrise. Um, you may not be able to tell exactly when the sun has risen, but you know specifically at some stage, sometime, that the sun has in fact risen. And I, mm-hmm. um, my relationship with Jesus had become personal and real for me. And so what I ended up doing later on that summer, our church has a, a, a baptism celebration. I end up getting baptized as an adult and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is really my Lord and Savior. And from, wow. typically it's a large group of people that come and just witness everybody else getting baptized. So yeah. that's kind of how my experience rolled. For some people, it's kind of a lightning bolt moment. And for other people, it's like the sunrise. But previous to that, you had not been raised with any... So religion to that actually I'd been raised Catholic. Okay. Yeah. And I'd been baptized as an infant. Um, okay. Come to understand and realize is that uh, baptism, my parents did a great job. You know, they love me. They're trying to do what was best for me. So they had me baptized as an infant. But for me, my understanding of scripture was, is you trust and accept Jesus as your savior. And then after that, you get baptized. So what I wanted to do is tell a watching world, you know what? Um, I'm his. I basically believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And so that's why I got baptized as an adult. That's awesome. So how do you think your faith life has impacted your choices and decisions that you've made in your career? And how do you think it's impacted the men that you've dated? Um, What'd you do? Well, I primarily, it's funny. I'll tell you a little something. I was about to get married uh, three years, three and a half years ago. And that story then. So (laughs) the funny thing is, is so I've been back to my faith for three years. So Uh three and a half years ago, oh, Uh this wedding, this wedding would have been no religion. I mean, I wanted to be outside on the grass. It was a whole thing. My parents are brokenhearted, you know, it was woof. Uh, and now sorry. In favor of the wedding, or did they think that you should? Yes, we had agreed that it would be in the church, gotcha. but there would be no mass. There would be like very minimal, and then everything would be outside. Like it was, it was just a whole. It was very dramatic, but not uh, with the parents, but right. the whole faith and everything. It was a lot. How long had you dated the gentleman? Um, two years. Two years. Okay. And amicable, amicable break and great person, just not the love of my life. And, uh, luckily canceled before the wedding and then found my faith. So I just think it's so funny now that I look back on that and I'm like, like that almost happened. And now I have this whole different vision of what it's going to look like if it happens, if that's what he wants. But uh, yeah, it's just funny to me. Like I was saved literally. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, So would you date a non-believer now? This is the hardest question right now for me because I don't, because, because of the app world, 
-hmm. you know, in, in typical, well, unless you met him at church or something, you know, if you're out at a grocery store, it's not like, you know, their faith, but on a dating app, you do, you see they are, they aren't. So you have that moment where you can decide, right. I want to do this or I don't. And that is trick. I don't know. So are there no handsome or good looking Christian guys? Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> listen, I listen, <laughs> send them my way. Here's my number. What do you need? No, I, I mean, you can't force these things. Right. But yeah. I do sincerely hope that if that is, uh, God's plan for me to get married and have children, uh, I hope that we can raise them with faith and and knowing God as I know him right now. So that's a good question. Do eventually you want to get married and have kids? I do. Okay. Um, so explain to me then how a beautiful, intelligent, successful woman with good morals who wants to be in a serious relationship leading towards marriage is not in one. What's up with that? What's the world look like in 20? 20- it's very simple answer. She's picky. <laughs> How do you know when you've met Mr. Wright? What does Mr. Wright look like? I, uh, well, hopefully he's handsome. I mean, that would be very nice. Nothing but being physically attracted to somebody. Nothing wrong. Yep. But I just want him to have a really amazing heart. You know, I just think of my parents' marriage actually, and. This morning, like <laughs> my dad gets up at 630 in the morning, which he otherwise wouldn't do. And he go- comes down in his pajamas and he gets the paper. So my mom doesn't have to. And this morning he just looked awful. Like he just didn't want to be up. And I looked at him and I go, why do you do this? And he goes, so your mother doesn't have to. <laughs> I'm like that's really after 44 years. That's, that's pretty great. That's that active service that you're talking about to show somebody that you love that. He does yes. a simple thing like going to get the newspaper to show yeah. you that he still loves her after 40 plus years. And that's mm-hmm. that service. Yeah, um, it is. So would you be um, willing to settle for Mr. Close Enough, Mr. Second? No, Close? no. And I hate the term settle down because I don't think you should settle. <laughs> so what do you think marriage is going to look like? Oh, uh, definitely a partnership. Okay. In so many ways, because now that I've lived 37 years by myself and only having to think about myself, there is that you got to think about somebody else. And to be fair and, uh, you know, with children take both take responsibility and, you know, it's not a, it's, I don't think we live in a world anymore where you can get away with a, oh dear, you stay home and take care of the kids. Like, no, (laughs) both can, can take part. So, you know, I want a partner. Yeah. That's a good question. Would you be content being a stay at home mom? It's probably unfair to ask that without actually having one or two, three or four kids at home that you're raising. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, poo poo that at all because I mean we were lucky to have my mom when we were growing up because she could she could be there to help with all that we needed you know and if you're blessed enough to have that that's an amazing thing part of the reason I say that is because my daughter um, she and her boyfriend recently had a uh, a baby and yeah yeah, it's a a one year and four months old and I think my daughter would actually like to stay home and maybe if they have a second child maybe be a stay-at-home mom just because she can clearly see the difference that it has when she raises her child versus just sending them to a daycare just the, the habits that they begin to pick up at a daycare she can clearly yeah. See, so yeah that could be a real thing yeah um so would you be willing to adopt kids my brother my oldest brother has adopted and uh I have not met her. She's a year and a month and I will meet her in another month. So the pandemic was really hard on that level. So uh, I cannot wait, but I mean, she's our family and she's the cutest thing in the entire world. Such a blessing for them. And I'm, would I be, I'd be, I'd want to have one and, and, adopt like that. But you know, there is just something that if I can, I would love to have my own. If I cannot, 
Uh, or, you know, if I find someone that already has children, I'm totally okay with that, you know, so long as I can be a part of their life and they're welcoming to that, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, the ugly stepmother or something like that, that they hate, but you know, I would, I would love to take that on. Yep. Yep. Um, so you've been single for 37 years. Would you be willing to live with someone before you got married or do you want to wait and get married? I've never done that. I think at this point, no. I mean, I would just. I I applaud that actually. It's uh, in my previous, I've lived two lives, one pre-2006 and one post-2006. People that I dated just said I had different standards and eventually it's, I'd end up living with them and post-2006. That's not been, that's, so I appreciate and respect that type of attitude, yeah. conviction on your part. Yeah. I don't even know if it was planned that way, but I just, yeah, that was not my thing. So I don't think that will be my thing. Yeah. yeah. So how many serious relationships have you been in just over the course of time? I think four, four. three, four. Yep. Yeah. And, and the last one was the one that potentially led to marriage. None of the other ones looked like they were heading in that direction. You know, I don't even think this one looked like it was headed that way. We had a special uh, instance where we met on a ship and he was from Scotland. And I think what it was for us was, well, we want to keep dating each other, Mm -hmm. but you live in Scotland. Yep. So do we see this going somewhere? We do. Let's do this. So it was unique in that way. It wasn't like a magical, oh, we belong together. Let's do this. It was just kind of made up like a, well, if we want to keep dating, we're going gonna to do this, you know? So it was, yeah, retrospect, probably not the best idea, but you know. Have you ever had the magical first moment with somebody? Have any of your serious relationships? I thought that chemistry. I thought my college sweetheart was going to be the one for, and that was a that was a heartbreaker. I didn't date someone seriously for five years after that. That was a hard one. I can understand. And so, why did that relationship end? Um, uh, we dated for three and a half, three yeah years. Did your parents and family all like them? They, they did. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, they do. And then when it ends, they change their minds and they're like, well, <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. You liked him. So they're there to support you no matter what, right? No matter what your decision is, if you love them, then they're going to try their best to love them. They're going to cheer you, champion, rally around you, especially if they know your hearts. What made that guy so special? Why did things end? Um, Too young? I think he was just my first love. Like I really didn't. You know, I didn't know what love was before that. And it was just magical and perfect. And I had never been hurt before. And so I didn't know anything, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything. And then when it all came crashing down, it was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you learn from hurts like that? How does that impact you and shape you now? Does it make you For more, me, more scared, more untrusting? It makes me... Well, a couple of things, but I, I realized that I give so much of myself to that I lose myself a little bit, my needs, you know, like my needs then become their needs. And so when I, uh, have ended most of my relationships, then I refine myself and I start doing what I should have been when I was not in the relationship, you know? Uh, so that's been a big aha for me. So usually I thrive after a relationship because I really start to do all the things that I should have been doing or just things like traveling the world that I couldn't do when I was in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? So then I just got myself free and I'm like, well, I'm going to go get a cruise ship for three years, you know? So. Well, that's should be one indicator or barometer that helps you to know that you're in the right relationship is when you're still thriving and growing and the Trina Vargas that you should be. That'll be yeah, that is for sure a thing. Um, so what's and I hope that for me and I hope that for them, you know, I wouldn't want someone to be the person that I was being either at all, not even a little. <laughs> so I want it again, that partnership where it's, you can be you, I can be me and we make this work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about this when you were kind of growing up with the, the early years, kind of the, a turning point in terms of your your aunt and your grandparents passing away. Um, 
I'm a firm believer that there are, are turning points in people's lives. A lot of times, sometimes multiple turning points. Sometimes we don't even recognize them until months or years later. Um, for me, as I kind of alluded to earlier, it's there was a simple invitation moment in 2006 that not only changed my life, but changed my eternity. And so they can either be good or bad, these turning points, and it can either be a struggle or a victory. So I'm just curious what sort of, um, over the past 10, 20 years, what sort of turning point moments can you think of in your life? Maybe either you recognize it when you're going through it, or in hindsight, you saw that it was a turning point that's helped shape you into the person that you are now. Uh, I think it's always been very apparent to me, and I guess it's an move that I've made, when I'm either not happy mm-hmm. or I've lost myself I'm not thriving or whatever it is. And those are the moments where that's the gut check for me. And then I've changed my life dramatically for the better. Yeah. Uh, one of those instances, I was living in Boston after LA, so unhappy mm. and uh, sat myself down in my room and I just made three columns. Go back to LA was the left, stay in Boston was the middle or go to New York, a place I had been no interest in going because it was too big, too scary. uh, And that was on the right. And I said, all right, I'm going to New York because I knew do something you haven't tried and see what the scary is all about. And a week later, I had a job with the USO to sing and dance. And I took it and I lied. And I said, uh, yes, I live in New York City. <laughs> and then I stayed with my aunt who lived in uh, Farmingdale, Long Island, and took the train in and then got an apartment and I just made it work. So you just throw yourself into the wind. I don't know sometimes, but uh, I, I totally believe in my gut at least. And I feel like those moments in my life have been the game changers. Yeah. So are you an explorer at heart? Explorer at heart. Yes. Okay. What do you think are some of your favorite places that you've either been to that are work related or vacation related or that you just stumbled across, stumbled into? I was blessed to have seen a lot of the world. And I just think the most wonderful moments are when you climb a mountain and you get to the top and you just realize how small you are in this world. You know what I mean? I do. It's, I do know. Yeah. It's crazy. I can remember even just being, uh, my friend had a, a house on top of the Hollywood Hills. And at night we'd go sit on this guardrail, which uh, was on a cliff. Very not a good idea to any of our listeners, but I was in a safe environment, but we would sit on it and you just, it was this beautiful moment of no matter how much anxiety was in your life, you were like, I am such a small piece of this beautiful puzzle and just enjoy the beauty. You know, it's just, um, so that, Sorry, I didn't answer your question. That was very long, but any place that's beautiful, like I can think Alaska. If you haven't been to Alaska, it is breathtaking. Um, that actually triggers a whole nother question in terms of uh, um, how do you experience God's presence in your life best or most often or most intimately? The, the nature example, I think, is one example that a lot of people refer to. Mm-hmm. Some people can actually be like in... Like you were saying before, you cried in church services. Some people, mm-hmm. their worship experience is so powerful that they'll cry like tears of joy. Some people can either be like devotionals. Other people can be mm-hmm. How do you personally feel like you experience God's presence in a more most intimate and real way? I think just when I talk with him at night, it's just that simple. It's for me. Uh, I can sometimes laugh with him when I'm just talking with him like that you know, and, or I've, um, dynamic Catholic has this little way of praying at night. And at first I just like, I don't want to do this, but I've stuck to it. And it really, every night just triggers a aha moment of one of them is a significant moment through, throughout the day that you can think of. And he always pops one in my head. Like, oh yeah, that was like you were showing me this. That's crazy. And it's just, it's those moments for me that, you know, it's just like a high from God. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, so let's revisit today and your current season of life. What's most important to you? 
2021. It needed to be family, friends, performing, God, career, health, peace of mind, or a combination of them. And what are you most grateful for these days? Okay. I have a whole health history that I've come so far in and I feel very at peace with that this year that I'm on the right track for that. That is one very important thing, my health. I think I'm really, God has taken me so far and put the right people in my life. And that's what's been apparent to me this year too, is just, you know, you keep placing the people I need in my life and thank you. Like that's just so powerful. But also I'm not going to lie to you. My life right now, I can't even tell you what I'm here for (laughs) or what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I uh, luckily have some gigs this summer that makes me very happy and feel safe. But uh, I know that when I sing, I am there is no that is like God's to just me, not even the world, just to me that I can be in my cellar alone singing. And I am like euphoric, you know, so I know there's a reason for that. Just don't know how much that's supposed to be a part of my life. And so I'm really discovering, I'd like to discover how I can get myself find because, uh, the longest story short, long story, but, uh, a very successful friend of mine, New York has two, uh, I rise apartments. Oh yeah. They're just, you know, the most ridiculous obscene. And he took me to his runner up, uh, place that he liked during the pandemic and we could see it from outside. And the, I will never forget looking in at the lobby. And I just thought to myself, I will never have something like this. And I walked away from that. And I actually told him, a couple minutes later that I had that moment and I cried. And I think that I did because I was so ashamed that I thought that I wasn't capable or good enough. There was something in me that had said in that moment, like I could never have that. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad for myself because I was like, yes, you could. You know, if you really wanted that and that was of importance to you in your life, there is nothing that's stopping you from doing that. So I think just the financial thing is getting over that hump of thinking like, what's it? This is this is my life. You know, I'm like getting getting that place of you're capable. You're going to do great things. Be open to maybe something different. Yeah, I like and, it. And and just see how the trust trust. That's my word of this year is trust, trust God yeah. and know that he will show me. Um so what would financial success, what's that even look like? To you? What's that mean to you? Not depending on oh, okay. Go ahead. a cushion if I need it. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm really good about, you know, saving and, and working and, and trying very hard. But, you know, there have definitely been still the times that mom and dad will step in or, or help. And, and I want those moments anymore. You know, I don't want that. And I... I'm so thankful that they've been able to help. And I realized that they had helped too, you know, in their lives, but I want to be like, no, I'm good. I got it. Sure. I got this. Yep. Yep. Totally get it. Um, so you had mentioned before singing is obviously a gift. Um, aside from performing like professionally, um, have you ever sung in your church choir? Yeah. Oh, well with my Nana's the, the organist, we were the choir. My family was the choir. Yeah. yeah. But currently, uh, have you thought about? Serving? I don't ha- actually because I face fear. I'm all about facing the fears. I decided I wanted to lecture this uh, this time uh, around. I I, I okay. that crept in last year, yeah. and I was like, oh, I don't know. Then the pandemic happened, and so my dad had lectured our our whole lives, and uh, I was like, you know what? I want to try that, and I did, and I did it for the first time two weeks ago. It was life changing. I can't even explain that moment, but it was life changing. And I saw the choir for the first time because the pandemic, it was the first time this past weekend. And 
I felt like a, a, a proud mom. I just sat there and I got to enjoy others just love it so much. And I was like, you love that choir. You do that. I'm going to be here and I'm going to sing in my basement, which makes me happy. And I'm going to lecture. And that's what makes me happy right now. So I don't need that. But oh, that's cool. That's cool. So what's your uh, normal weekly rhythm look like? Obviously, church on Sundays and mm-hmm. been sometimes involved with the the ministry that you said is like serving, sometimes lecturing. Uh, yep. What so you- I, I mean, really right now I'm driving for Uber Eats and DoorDash and that is what I do in any spare time that I have. Uh, I was working on an HBO show, which I was blessed to be able to do, which provided me with great um, saving money. And now that that's gone, I am looking, I did, uh, I was going to say audition. I did apply for a part-time job at the community center here because now that I'm tied in with so much homeless stuff, I saw that posting and I was like, you know what? I just love knowing everything that's going on in the community. So, so you can become a part of the community and, and help people. Um, and so I volunteer on Tuesdays at a homeless shelter and, uh, that's it right now. I, my show, my Trina Vargas show and singing gigs and preparing for that all summer. So, so how the, the whole Trina Vargas show, how that get started? What was the impetus or the catalyst behind that? I had wanted to start a YouTube channel for years and I just didn't know. And I don't know if I even landed what what it is supposed to be. I just couldn't think of the, you know, one of my friends jokes and said, just do a day in the life of Trina, because I love to make videos and people seem to think they're a hoot sometimes, but, uh, I didn't know how to make that a thing. I still don't know how to make that a thing. And I don't even think it needs to be a thing. I just, I wanted to try something and I knew I had so many friends who have these incredible stories that, right. You know, I just feel like if people don't, talk about a lot of the things and topics that we have, nothing changes. So I wanted to help that out a bit. Yeah. Um, along that line, you kind of alluded earlier in terms of that you had it kind of conquered or it looked like you're on the, the positive side of a, a health issue that you're wrestling with. You mm-hmm. want to hear about that in any detail? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows uh, I'm super open, <laughs> too open about all of the things on my journey, but uh, breast implants I had had for 15 years, they were causing a lot of inflammation and wrong in my body. I had them just, uh, inflammation and stomach issues. Digestion was a huge factor for me. So I am, I have seen every, you know, naturopathic and, uh, acupuncturist and all the things done all the outside of medicine world. And not that I poo poo that, but, uh, just for me, that's what I've tried. And again, I think that God right now is just putting the friends that I need that are giving me little bits of things that work. everything's functioning. So would you recommend then that based on your experience that people stay away from implants? 1000. I don't, I'm not going to tell, I've been in the position that a lot of women are where they feel, uh, less than they feel their, their emotions. They feel they're not attractive enough. Or I know people that, you know, they just had one very larger breast than the other, and they just wanted to even them out, whatever their scenario is. I get it. I hear it, but putting something toxic into your body. No. Amen. And you know what? That's a great point. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it, but did you feel like in the performing industry that you had to do more to make yourself more sellable, more? Oh, I can remember exact. Well, I knew since I was 14 that I wasn't going to be getting a chest and oh, God bless my mother, but she has been blessed in that department. And I thought, well, that's very unfair. What's wrong? Why? Why? But apparently it skips a generation. So, uh, but anyway, I, I was in my freshman year of college and I was in a, was it freshman year? Yeah. Oh, might've been my sophomore year, my sophomore year. And it was a lingerie type show. And I felt foolish. I felt so foolish and I'll never forget that. And that was the year that, uh, I got them. Uh, So back to what you're grateful for most these days, it's health, anything above and beyond health. And so where do you see yourself? One, three to five years down the road, either marriage, family wise, 
career business-wise or spiritual? So it's funny that you say that because everyone, the uh, interview I just had, they'll say, where do you see yourself in three to five years? And this is my answer to that. I've decided this is always going to be my answer to that now is I see myself happy. I see myself thriving. I see myself following my heart just as I always do and surrounded by the people I love and creating, you know, beautiful moments and, uh, with faith and hope and, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's where I see myself. Pre COVID that I knew exactly what my life was going to look like for the next 20 years. Post COVID. I'm not sure I can tell you from day to day, just how dramatically quickly things can change. So um, that's what, and that's what I said to the job. I said, there's no guarantee that there's a tomorrow. Why am I going to try and predict a three to five year spout? I just don't, I don't ever, I've always told people I live on the dot, dot, dot. Yeah. That's what I do. No, I agree. And uh, personally, I don't think that God operates that way. A lot of times I think God's called you in day by day. We need to trust him and follow him. God doesn't give me like a, here's a 20 year plan. I think he would laugh. I think he'd say, Oh, that's where you think you're going to be in three years. That's cute. (laughs) Let me show you. Let me show you what I have in store. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And hopefully it's even, and it will be even better and more beautiful than you could have even expected. Um, I can honestly say that uh, I'm in the best season of my life ever, just in terms. Yes. It's, um, because part of my backstory is I've been married and divorced three times and I certainly have a very negative outlook, um, not only on relations, but just on life in general. And I feel anything but that I feel extremely, oh my God, I could go on and on and tell you about how blessed I am. So life is good. God is better. And he has a plan and purpose for each one of us. And every day he keeps calling us into it. And it's an adventure. Definitely, definitely an adventure. So I like the fact that you faced your fears and you got up there in the lecture position. That's good. Um, Mm -hmm. What's truly on your bucket list of things that you have to accomplish, see, explore sometime within your lifetime? Well, I was supposed to go to Paris last June. Nice. See the Eiffel Tower. And my girlfriend and I sadly did not get to go. So we are hoping that the world will be in a better place uh, next June and that we can go make that happen. That is number one. Go to Paris. Uh, And things that I have to do. uh, I don't really have a huge bucket list. I've done a lot. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot. Uh, Yeah. So that's just one thing on your bucket list then, huh? That was a little sad. I don't know. That's really, I've had worse problems, you know? <laughs> World problems, right? So <laughs> we have the luxury of being able to have a bucket list in the country. Right. Um, so as we begin to wind things down, I want to get your final thoughts. First of all, what sort of advice or encouragement would you have for others in a similar season of life to what you're in life? I don't know how I would be doing it without God. So I can't really speak to that. But I would say if you do have faith in your life, or even if you don't, maybe this is the time. And I think that it probably has been a time where people got back in touch with that with the pandemic, you know, really needing that or maybe vice versa. But because uh, I know a lot of people have been very upset about it, you know, upset about it. Maybe that's their upset. Like death was for me, maybe a pandemic and changing of life was hard for them. So all relative. But uh, for me, I am just really trying to stay hopeful, stay hungry, don't be complacent uh, or lazy. And that doesn't but the flip side of that is adding way too many things to the plate and not accomplishing anything. And that I'm really good at. So I'm really telling myself, don't do that. Learn from the mistakes. Learn. I forget who is saying this, but it's the, I don't know where I heard it the other day, but you know, you, you walk down the street, you fall in the hole. How did I get here? (laughs) You walk down the street the next day, you fall in the same hole and you know, you got to learn to walk around. So I'm really staying attuned to that. Like, am I doing the same things and ending up in the same places? Yeah, good. So I would just say, be really in tune with yourself of what am I not trying that's different that might get me 
somewhere unexpected and good. And lastly, what would you like to say to the person or people that you love the most in life? What would I like to say to them? Oh, thank you for loving me. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, no, I mean, the people that, oh, the people in my life, the game changers, yep. couldn't have done it without them. They are, uh, they're the people I feel, you know, God has gifted me with to just head me in the right direction. Amen. Amen. Um, thank you for doing the show with thank me. Thank you. This is so enjoyable. All right. Everybody out in Podville, thank you for And for a very special friend of mine out there, I love you dearly. And this has been an episode of Real Friends.